Hello, and welcome to MGMA Small Talk, where we discuss issues facing practice administrators across the healthcare world. I'm Shannon Geis, staff writer and editor at MGMA, and today I'm speaking with Andrea Elescu, president of Medical Marketing Incorporated in Orlando, Florida, a healthcare marketing and public relations firm which she co-founded in 1984. Andrea provides leadership and guidance to clients throughout the country. She is leading a session at MGMA annual conference titled Engaging Patients and Building Community for Practice Growth, which will review marketing and communication strategies for medical practices that emphasize community involvement and patient engagement. And her new book, It's Personal, The Art of Building Your Practice, will be launched at MGMA annual conference as well. Andrea is here to talk with us today about healthcare marketing and how engaging patients plays an increasingly important role in a practice's success. Welcome, Andrea. Welcome, Shannon. First off, let's start with a basic question, but one I think is really important. What is marketing? Well, in the old days, we all knew the four P's of marketing. If you've gone to college, you have learned that. But what's happening in the healthcare industry right now Take a 30,000-foot view, and when you think about marketing, you are thinking about positioning your practice, knowing there are patients and referring physicians who need and or want what you have. So marketing really becomes all about relationships, about service, about your community, and about communication. And within that, we have what I call are the four A's. It is what patients and referring physicians want. And I think we're going to get to the four A's a little bit later. Okay. Um, so how is technology changing the way that we market medical practices? Well, these days, the patient is no longer a pa- only a patient a, or a consumer. They really are prosumers. They are incredibly proactive in engaging themselves in knowledge about whatever it is is happening in their life that is uh, why they are at the physician's office. And so they're getting all kinds of information off the internet. Many times it is not valued except by the patient, not valued by the practice, but they're very, very proactive, internet savvy, research oriented, educated, informed, articulate, engaged, because these days patients end up paying for much of their health care, no longer is the um, employer. And so what happens with these prosumers, they use Facebook, they use Twitter, they use um, all kinds of social media. And when everything is wonderful, sometimes they'll put that on their Facebook. But if they have a very difficult time with your practice, then they will immediately put that on. They won't leave your parking lot before they tell all of their friends, well, I went to the doctor and he might be good, but I'll never go back there again and here's why. And you don't even know that's going on. So technology is very important and every practice needs to be on alert of how well are we serving our patients. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that practice administrators can do to assess their practice and its marketing needs and how to sort of address some of these newer um, issues that are coming up? Well, I I mean, first, I think you have to have a business plan for your practice. And within that business plan, you're going to end up having certain goals that you want achieved over 36 months or 24 months or 12 months. And then you have to look and see how well did we 
get those done. And if they are marketing and communication issues, then what is it that you're doing that's going to move that needle so as you reflect back, you have met the needs of your patients? You, you can't just do what you've always done. Because these days, almost all of the physicians out there, especially the specialty physicians, are fellowship trained. So if the education is the same, and hopefully everybody's practicing medicine, so if the outcomes are pretty much the same, what differentiates your practice from another practice? And that is going to go back and reflect on service and communication. So the first places that I would look is, what's my plan? Where is it that I want our practice to go or our practice to grow or our practice to evolve? And how well are we doing some of the very, very basics to not put roadblocks in front of ourselves? Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the some examples of things that administrators can do to market their practice? Well, it, depending on what they are looking for, um, it, you know, uh, do they want to increase their relations with referral physicians? Do they want to introduce a new doctor? Do they want to tell a community where they haven't had a presence that they're opening a new office? You know, it depends on what they want to do. Uh, and the, the most places that I am finding across the country really has to do with referral physician plans. And that starts with identifying who are your referral physicians, evaluating what your competitors are doing. What do they look like? What can you find out about what they're doing? Are you on the same plans? Have you made inroads with major corporations in your community or the Chamber of Commerce or the police department or the city or the, the, the schools? And you know, begin to look at who do we want to address to try to attract them to our practice and what can we give them on a service side that isn't being done uh, by our competitor across the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and why do you think uh, relationships are so important um, for, for growth um, with practices? Well, when you look at the referring physicians, it's pretty simple. They want to be educated. They want to be valued. They want their staff to be respected and also valued. Um, they want to know what's going on with their patients. They want to feel like they are a part of the team. And they want to be able to reach the physician or the practice and to get their patients in in a timely way. And then what they want is their patients come back and say, that was a great doctor. He was so compassionate. He did my surgery and I, you know, it was, it went so well. He doesn't want to refer a patient out and have them come back and say, they never answer their phones. I have to listen to a phone tree. I just want to talk to somebody and they never can get a human being. When I got my appointment, it took me, uh, you know, two and a half hours sitting in their office. Isn't there anybody else you can send me to? Because those things are happening every day in medical practices uh, across our cities. Um, and what role does the patient play in this new marketing environment? They're powerful. I mean, word of mouth by a patient is powerful. Frequently, a patient will listen to what you say. I, hey, you need this kind of a referral, and I want you to 
go see a pediatric gastroenterologist and stop at the front desk and we'll give you uh, some physicians that are in your zip code or that they carry your insurance. That's what the physician says and he thinks he's being helpful. What the patient is doing now that this is her child and oh my goodness, my pediatrician can't take care of it, I need something more. Frequently, they get in their car and they Facebook. Oh my gosh, Bobby has to see a pediatric uh, gastroenterologist. Have any of you ever taken your kids? What was the visit like? Did the doctor talk to Johnny or Susie um, or just talk over them to you? Uh, Did they call you back when you called? And that's a whole shift from you did whatever your doctor said to, no, I'm going to be engaged and I'm going to be a part of this decision making. We're really not used to that. If you have a neurosurgical problem, if you have uh, cancer, it's a little bit different because then you're kind of, you the patient, you're bargaining because you want life and you want a quality life. But in many of the other specialties and subspecialties, patient hears you, but patient gets involved. So it's very important that you communicate and make your patient feel safe with you. Um, they they want to know about you. They want personalized care and they want service and they want to be a part of the care decision. A big one, because I hear the complaint on surveys all the time, they can't reach anybody when they want. And that kind of brings me to what I think have become the most important parts of marketing. And that's the, the four A's. And the four A's are access, availability, accountability, and accommodation. Access for the patient, and, and actually even the referring physicians and their, and their staff, but, but think patient right now. I want to be able to easily reach the highest level of care available when I need it and where I need it. And if the practice doesn't give me that, um, I don't like it. You know, Mm -hmm. a little tiny wall goes up. From the patient, I want availability. I want a convenient appointment. I mean, if I'm a working person and you don't have early hours or late hours or lunch hours, that means I have to take off from work. And that puts my job uh, under some pressure. They want to look, they will look at how long is that office wait time? How prompt are you at handling phone calls? And you know how easy is it to get to a doctor or nurse to get a, what a patient believes is a simple question answered? Accountability is who is going to give me the answers and the explanations, and when there's problems, who's going to offer solutions? And will that person make sure they identify themselves? So I can call back and ask for... Susie K. from Omaha, Nebraska, because Susie K. told me she was going to take care of this, and I remembered she was Omaha, Nebraska. It's subtle. It, it seems easy, but we get so busy with what we're doing, we don't think about how it impacts the patient. And the final A, accommodation, really focuses on personalized care and engagement and customization and ongoing communication with the patient until the patient feels satisfied. When you begin to do those things in everything you do, then when the patients are asked, well, how was it? Which is 
that kind of how was it is becoming one of the issues for how well you get paid, how well did you provide the service uh, when the patients are surveyed, then we get to be in a much bigger place. And to me, all marketing, there's no point in developing a marketing plan. There's no point in implementing a plan if you don't look at that plan and say, if we do this, will they have access? If they do this, if we, the practice does this, will we have availability? If we do this, do we have somebody to be accountable if it doesn't work wonderful all the time? And does this really accommodate the patient or the mm -hmm. referring physician? Because you can have the best marketing plan in the world. Why wouldn't you do that so that you don't fail? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the these four A's are really um, in, um, an instructive way of thinking about things. Are there any specific tips that you could give um, for what practices can do to well, I'll tell increase you, that? I'm glad you asked that because one of the things that we are having enormous success at from uh, uh, with referring physicians is, is a handwritten thank you note from the receiving physician. So it's as simple as saying, say it's Bob Jones is the doctor and, um, you know, and, and Susan Robinson referred a patient. If Bob Jones drops a note the first time Susan Johnson sends a referral, that all it has to say is, dear Susan, thank you so much for sending uh, Mrs. So-and-so you know, to our practice. I am honored that you have that trust in us and we will do everything we can to help her with her health issue and provide her the service she needs and the doctor signs it. Because we're so electronic, because everything we do is put it in the electronic medical record, you know, or, or, or send a note and push send, we don't really know what happens with those things. Do they get there? But the handwritten note with a stamp on it is received and it always is a, oh my goodness, I never expected that. And the way we have our patients do it is whatever is the logo of the practice, no matter how many offices they have, that's on the front of the note card. But on the back of the note card and on the envelope, it is customized to a specific office. Mm -hmm. So I might have a client that has 11 offices. They each get different envelopes. They all get the same card so that it stays as if we're in your neighborhood, as if we're in your community. Mm -hmm. And for patients, you know, patients sometimes refer a large amount of patients. I mean, if you get the lady in the tennis club and you're a plastic surgeon and she liked the way you did her fills or her nose or her neck and she tells her friends and they start coming to that plastic surgeon because a lot of this is this word of mouth. Um, it's actually world of mouth with the internet, with social media. Mm -hmm. Then that physician needs to realize where that business is coming from. And you just say, you know, dear, if they're on a first name basis, use the first name. If they're on, uh, if it's more formal, use the miss or missus or mister. But basically the note is the same. Dear Mrs. Lynch, thank you very much for sending some of your really delightful friends or, or we, we don't ever say the name of the patient. We just address that she sent, she knows what she did. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sending your tennis partner 
to see us. I am honored by your um, respect for our practice and, and I just want you to know that it means a lot to me. You know, Sam Jones, doctor, MD. Mm -hmm. That patient, the last thing in the world that she expects is a handwritten thank you note from her doctor. And we, we ask our doctors to handwrite these little notes. This is not a typed letter. Mm-hmm. There is some power in the handwriting of receiving stamped mail that goes way beyond. And our experience has been very often that patient on their Facebook says, you won't believe what happened today. I got a personal note from my doctor and I could read his handwriting. I mean, it's a joke, <laughs> it's better, but it's not a joke. Mm-hmm. I mean, the point is patients end up referring patients except in issues where you can only be referral physician to practice. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting um, tip that I think um, is not something that um, I would have necessarily thought of, but it, it makes a lot of sense. We've talked a lot about um, patient and doctor um, relationships. Um, what about relationships without, uh, outside of the healthcare community, maybe within the larger community? What are some of the things that practices can do and why might that be important? Well, I I think you are your community. And I think building relations with your neighbors, whether they are your work site neighbors or um, depending, if you're a a new pharmacist, uh, excuse me, if you are a new family practice doctor in town or pediatrician or OBGYN, you've moved in, you've got your practice, but you have to build it. It is not going to happen simply because open shingle and I'm here. And it's not going to happen even if the administrator is trying to help you build your practice. Every physician is responsible to do some of the work, like the thank you notes become some of the work. But if you're new to a community, going to the uh, local pharmacy and taking your cards and simply saying to the pharmacist, hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so, a pediatrician, I've been in practice for a while, but I just relocated to Denver, Orlando, Atlanta, and I'm trying to know um, the pharmacist so that when I send scripts, if there's ever a problem, we kind of put a face with a name. And we've been having some of our doctors do that, and they are finding that the pharmacists are sending them referrals. Mm -hmm. Because the pharmacist said, you know, no doctors ever walked in here and just said hello to me. And when you have to deal with these pharmacists that do a lot of the mini clinic or mini clinic kind of health care, that's because most of the time those patients either don't have access or you're not uh, accommodating them or you're not available. And it's like, I just go into the pharmacist and I'll ask him. But there is the potential for, you know, you really need to see a physician. And, you know, Dr. So-and-so is right down the street and he's really nice. I've met him. Mm-hmm. That is, that's, you know, that you don't expect that. And then I, I'm big on finding a way to say thank you to a practice that does send a lot of referrals. I think it's very important to track your referral numbers. I think it's very, very important to recognize when you get a first-time referral from somebody else. Um, I personally think it's very important to also find a charity or an area of philanthropy that you love and maximize on that. 
all of our clients, we tell them, don't send anything at Christmas. It is really not going to get much recognition because so much comes. So do it differently. Do it at Thanksgiving. Do it to welcome spring. Do it to say hello to fall. And do something that matters. So if you have a food bank, go over there. Think in terms of $1,000. Give them a list of your referring physicians and address. And what you say is, I would like to know if you can send out a card to this list of people. I mean, each one getting a card that simply says, the ABC practice has made a donation in honor of their referral physicians. Thank you so much. Now, this card comes in the mail. I know they do it here in Orlando. Um, but, but if you don't do that, the practice can send a note. And for the food bank, it's new money for their mission given by a large physician practice, and they then can let referring physicians know, um, hey, this was done for you. Or maybe it's the ballet if you're an orthopedic practice because everybody goes right to the sports, but every ballet in every city is usually suffering for money or for in-kind. So do something. And you can put it on your webpage. You can ask the ballet organization to thank you for your contribution. That's why you sort of have to go at the $1,000 or more level, because below that, you don't quite get the bang for the buck. And to me, something like that, that is totally unexpected and is community-minded, lasts much longer than another basket of cheese and a bottle of wine. That's great. That I think that's some really great um, advice. Um, is there any other um, tips or anything else um, you'd like to, to let our listeners know about before, before I we wrap up? I when, think when you come up with a new marketing plan because of a goal, I think it's very important that before you launch it, you make sure that all of your employees, including your call center, understand what's getting ready to happen. I mean, it can be a 15, come in 15 minutes early, we wanna go over this with you. And you say, we're getting ready to do this, you're gonna see it in the following places, it's gonna be on our Facebook, it's gonna be on our webpage, um, we're gonna put posters up, we're going to have a flyer in the bathroom because we know that every patient, when they either before they see their doctor or before they go home, they use the restroom. It is a great place if you do it in a professional, friendly way to communicate information. But what we don't do so often is really share with our staff in an in a actually formal way what's going on and letting them ask questions because you send that out into the marketplace and then people respond and they hit a patient, uh, an employee, and the employee says, I, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. And that's not okay because the entire practice needs to be educated when you begin to do a push towards one of your goals. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, thank you so much um, for taking the time to talk with us today. Um, Andrea, I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. To register for Andrea's session at annual conference and to learn more about her new book, check out our episode page at mgma.org slash podcasts. Uh, thanks for listening to MGMA Small Talk. Tune in next time when we talk to Mark McLaughlin, a former commissioner and a site reviewer with the Electronic Healthcare Accreditation Commission about data security.